Hello and welcome to the ORX News Podcast, a podcast from ORX where we talk about the top five largest losses of the month, as well as stories specially created by the news team to illustrate current operational risk loss events from across the globe. I'm Fernanda Ashcroft, News Assistant Manager for Editorial. In this month's episode, we'll take a brief look at May's top five largest losses, as well as discuss challenges surrounding the three lines of defence model, governance and risk culture, all stemming from the launch of ORX's Risk Management Working Group. Today, I'm joined by senior researcher Natasha and news researcher Joseph. Over to you, Joseph, for May's top five. Thanks, Fern. Last month's fifth largest loss to Wells Fargo, which paid $38 million to Occidental Petroleum after failing to execute hundreds of thousands of stock sales on agreed dates. HSBC takes the fourth place with two separate fines for different events. HSBC paid a total of $45 million to US regulators as part of their WhatsApp Pro. It was also separately fined $45 million for manipulative trading, spoofing and record-keeping failures. A number three is superannuation fund Australian Super, which will refund customers $46.7 million after finding it overcharged customers with several accounts. For the second largest loss in May, Goldman Sachs struck a $215 million deal with a class of almost 3,000 current and former executives accusing the bank of gender discrimination. Hedy Suisse suffered May's largest loss when a Singapore court ordered to pay a former Georgian Prime Minister $926 million in compensation for losses from unauthorised trades by his relationship manager. Thanks, Joseph. In November last year, and following firms' requests for support in this space, ORX established the Risk Management Working Group. In the launch survey, firms described challenges they were facing when implementing their risk management framework, which included the following four topics. A difficult firm structure with siloed working and governance and oversight issues. Knowledge and culture issues with support often required by the first line of defence and a slow pace of change. Problems accessing high-quality data and resourcing challenges considering budgets, staff numbers and skills. We will cover these topics over two separate podcasts, so today we will discuss the three lines of defence model, siloed working and governance and oversight issues, and then focus in on the impacts and remediation of these failures. We will consider insurance underwriter MS Amlin, guarantor lender Amigo Loans, and a group of 55 lenders who lost money to the Arena TV fraud scheme. All these firms had risk management-related internal failures that contributed to them experiencing operational risk losses, which ranged from a few thousand pounds up to £116 million. Let's begin with insights from the UK Prudential Regulation Authority, the PRA, who was involved in all of the three events. The PRA identified an unclear delineation of roles and responsibilities in all three instances, mainly between the first and second lines of defence. For example, at Amigo, first-line assurance activities were actually conducted by the second line, and the second line was not sufficiently skilled. At MS Amelin, the second line didn't sufficiently challenge the first line and there was a pattern of the first line not performing control responsibilities, which then led 
to the creation of additional and unnecessary rules, such as line 1B. There was also another pattern with the 55 lenders who lost money to Arena TV. Across all firms, there were departmental silos of independent and disjointed, yet overlapping work with poor quality information sharing, which consequently created a weak control environment. Also, a lack of any portfolio management team within some lenders caused insufficient oversight, control and challenge of asset finance book. And this consequently led to the relationship management team undertaking second-line risk oversight responsibilities. This leads on nicely to the second risk management theme within these three sets of firms highlighted by the PRA, which was the issue of clarity in governance and oversight. At Amigo, it was unclear who had overall responsibility for establishing affordability of loans, and neither the board nor any of the committees were expressly responsible for affordability or credit worthiness. The banks impacted by the Arena TV fraud similarly identified confusion over responsibility for monitoring borrower activity. There was often transaction information available throughout the firms, but it wasn't used by the credit sanctioning teams during underwriting. At MS Amlin, the governance structure was inefficient and over-engineered for its size, which caused duplication and complexity, added unnecessary costs and compromised decision-making. For example, there were over 25 different core underwriting systems across the MS Amlin group, causing overlap between management structures. The strategic business units, SBUs, further clouded accountability for underwriting oversight, as SBUs carried out underwriting activities on MS Amlin's behalf, but without proper senior oversight, and MS Amlin was still responsible for all business underwritten by the SBUs from a regulatory perspective. Contributing to these existing governance challenges was that both MS Amlin and Amigo were making significant changes to leadership and CDM management whilst these failures were ongoing. In the case of MS Amlin, the new executive team were far more inexperienced as many were sitting on a board for the first time. The PRA was concerned that internal reorganisation would consume significant resources and management time when MS Amlin was expanding into unfamiliar markets during a soft market period. It's important to note that unclear roles and governance issues were not the only cause of the firm's losses, but they were cited as serious contributing factors. For Amigo, the impact of these two interconnected issues was that unaffordable loans were approved. Amigo only considered 1% of its customers to be vulnerable, despite a significant number of them receiving state welfare benefits. This was ultimately harmful because Amigo was risking customers being trapped into a spiral of debt. The FCA found that one in four of the guarantors intervened during the customer's loan term. With MS Amelin, unclear roles and governance issues meant that underwriting strategy and business planning was led by the strategic business units and reviewed without significant input from its management board. This interfered with the board's ability to meaningfully challenge any underwriting strategy and business plans or form a coherent view of businesses written on its behalf. As a result, 
underwriting performance issues went mostly undetected, meaning that losses came as a total surprise to underwriting management and the board. Lastly, together with the misinformation that Arena TV's directors were supplying, the 55 lenders had various internal failings, which contributed to them granting increasingly large credit facilities to the broadcaster. When Arena TV collapsed, only nine lenders had any verified assets supporting their loans, and the remaining 46 lenders, despite being owed a total of £182 million, had no assets underlining their lending, with thousands of financed assets missing. It is interesting how similar risk management issues within these firms can cause such a broad range of financial impacts and differing subsequent remediation. Take MS Amlin, for example. In October 2022, the PRA judged that MS Amlin was liable for a £14 million fine, but as it had settled early, the fine was reduced by 30% to £9.7 million. To remediate the risk management issues highlighted by the PRA, MS Amlin reorganised its international business operating model to simplify and enhance strategic and operational oversight and governance as a key objective. The reorganisation involved removing the regional holding company framework across three continents. Instead, MS Amlin's new operating model consisted of its three insurance companies supported by a shared business service enterprise. The model was also designed to support the introduction of MS Amlin's new underwriting strategy, which redeployed its capital and management focus to its three core reinsurance markets. The plan also included the continued development of a more modern working culture and working values, as supported by investments in advanced data analytics and IT. Notably, despite previous changes in senior management exacerbating existing issues at MS Amlin, the new senior leadership and management team was central to completing the remediation of the issues raised by the PRA. The chief underwriting officers for the SBUs stepped down with the restructuring project, and Andrew Carrier was appointed MS Amlin's chief underwriting officer to implement its renewed approach to disciplined underwriting. He was later appointed CEO of MS Amlin in October 2022. In contrast, the financial impact at Amigo saw the firm pledge to raise new funds by selling shares and subsequently refund customers between £112 and £116 million. In February this year, the FCA said it would have fined Amigo £73 million for misconduct, but it decided against it to allow the firm to redress customers. However, the regulator did note that Amigo's cooperation with the investigation was the only mitigating factor in deciding not to impose a penalty. Amigo stopped lending by November 2020 and the FCA formally placed it under investigation six months earlier. Lastly, when Arena TV collapsed, it owed £282 million to 55 asset-based lenders. Shawbrook Bank suffered the largest loss at £35 million. HSBC and Lombard closely trailed behind with losses of £30 million and £24 million respectively. In early 2022, 94% of Arena's assets were sold at auction, 
However, despite the sales, administrators didn't expect any of the creditors to materially recover their losses. A considerable number of lenders across the UK were connected to Arena TV, with a total exposure disproportionate to its size. In view of this, in early 2022, the PRA asked various implicated banks to provide lessons learnt regarding weaknesses in credit risk management frameworks and control environments. In November 2022, the regulator published these lessons in an open letter to all chief risk officers in the asset finance sector. It was a plea for increased vigilance within UK banks, as well as a warning that regulatory scrutiny would be on the lending functions at the involved institutions to ensure the identified risk management failures had been rectified. To remediate their internal challenges regarding unclear responsibilities and departmental silos, the banks involved in the cross-firm review did the following. They improved the role of second-line risk oversight to ensure that robust risk controls were in place, the roles and responsibilities of relationship managers, credit sanctioners and credit analysts were reviewed and clarified. Information sharing was enhanced across teams when reviewing credit applications and the firms changed policies to develop multi-point contacts with customer businesses during underwriting and throughout in-life account management. The banks also listed further measures to remediate issues with their risk appetite calculation, account and transaction monitoring, fraud controls, and data usage and industry-wide data sharing, amongst others. A fourth interesting example of a different type of remediation, which could be useful for scenario building, comes from the Bank of Queensland. It self-reported to Australian regulators eight risk management-related failings, involving similar challenges as those already discussed, such as a risk management framework that was ill-designed for the size and complexity of the bank, issues with the board oversight, poorly informed decision-making and a lack of risk, capability, capacity or experience. In May this year, APRA ordered the Bank of Queensland to hold 50 million Australian dollars as an operational risk capital add-on to improve its risk management practices. But the bank had already started remedial efforts on its integrated risk program a month earlier, with a provision of 60 million Australian dollars to cover the anticipated cost of delivering the remedial program. One of the threads connecting all of these events is risk culture immaturity and the question of how a firm can elevate the serious consideration of risk internally. The need to embed and prioritise risk culture uplift, adequately train and resource staff, nourish a culture of challenge, cultivate discipline for non-compliant behaviours and incentivise positive risk behaviours, all of these culminate in the perennial issue that risk managers at these firms were grappling with in these events. It is also why ORX launched the new Risk Management Working Group to support firms in these areas. Look out for our report on risk appetite during the summer. Thanks, Natasha, and thanks as well to Izzy Selwyn for their additional research. For further details about the Risk Management Working Group, go to ORX.org. New subscribers can access all the stories mentioned, as well as deep dives on MS Amelin Arena TV on the news website. The links to the relevant sources used in this episode will be added to the show notes. And thank you for listening. I hope you can join us next time.